Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we talk wine, we talk people, we talk story, and we talk Paso wine country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Who's this podcast for? Well, anyone who loves any of those things that I just named above. And we encourage you to share the podcast, and we love when you do. It means so, so much. In fact, someone got the podcast taken off in Sweden, and it made the top 20 on the Sweden charts for places and travel. No joke. Pretty wild. Wow. So thank you. You can also help our momentum by rating, reviewing, and hitting that subscribe button in your podcast app or in your smartphones app. Also, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and anywhere you love to listen to your favorite podcasts. And of course, online at PasoWine.com. Now, a couple great shout outs recently. One on the Apple Podcast app from Bobby Collier de la Vie. She says, Adam is so easy to listen to, and I love how it makes it feel like you are at the table drinking wine with him and his guests. And that is the best compliment. I love that. I've learned so much about the history of Paso wine, as well as current events. I love it. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for your five-star rating and for that lovely comment made my day. Also, Cecily Gamba, popular wine blogger at You Had Me at Bordeaux. You should check out her Instagram account of the same name. You had me at Bordeaux. I encourage you to follow her and her sister, Natalia. They do a great job. She posted on the website. It is so sweet. She says, don't sleep on the fastest growing wine podcast in the nation where wine takes you. A Paso wine podcast hosted by my friend Adam Montiel. She puts in parentheses, the king of Paso Robles. My words, not his. He'll laugh, but I've not met anyone more passionate and knowledgeable about this region. I'm not sure about that. Plus, he's an awesome dude. It's weird to read this stuff about yourself, but I want to share it anyways. And that's so sweet of you, Cecily. Thank you. This is a podcast that is about much more than just Paso. It's the stories of passion, history, and the labor of love that makes every bottle of our favorite beverage that much better. It's real, candid, and fun conversations. You'll come away with a better understanding of the magic that makes this part of California wine country so special. Wow, that is an incredible review. She did a post on her Instagram. You got to check it out. You had me at Bordeaux. And uh, thank you so much, Cecily and Natalia. So go give a follow and that post some love. And while you're there on Insta, give me a follow at Adam on the air as well. You'll see some pics from behind the scenes of the show here, as well as some other wine stuff I'm doing, whether it's virtual things with other wineries, etc. So go give me a follow and I'd love to follow you back as well. All right, today's show jam-packed because it's a big weekend in Paso wine country. This weekend is Vintage Paso, Zinfandel weekend. We'll give you a little history on it all, but it's really one of the three big weekends in Paso wine country, the other being Wine Fest in May and Harvest Wine Weekend in October. And since this weekend has a special spotlight on our heritage varietal, and when I say our, I mean Paso, but not just Paso, I mean California. We're going to talk to two places known for their zin. Now, we've already had on the lovely Janelle Ducey in our very first episode, I think. Also, we've had on the Becketts from Peachy Canyon. We've had a lot of good zin houses featured here. So go back and check those episodes if after this you even want a deeper zin fix. But today, we're featuring the wine of Turley and the wine of Opolo. And we got the winemaker of Turley here, Kurt Wicca, which I think I've met, I think I've met and maybe interviewed briefly on the radio, but never have I sat down and had an opportunity to have a long conversation with him. So I'm very much looking forward to that. 
Also, we'll talk to both the winemakers of Opolo, James Schreiner and Chris Rougeau. But before that, I want to catch up with my friend Jen Bravo of Paso Wine. Besides having like the coolest radio name ever, Jen works for Paso Wine and is also an associate producer of this podcast. I've known her for years, but it's fun to work closely with her now and get to know her even more through where wine takes you. She's going to give you and I the lowdown on the significance of this weekend and I understand even has some exclusive news to break for us as well. I'm excited. We meet at an undisclosed winery in Paso, just outside the cellar. We're going to be featuring on a future show. Just hanging kind of outside the cellar, really just trying not to be in the way. Cheers. Great to see you, Jen. Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm so good. It's great to see you as well. I love uh, the sights and smells of a working winery outside the cellar. Isn't this fun? Yeah. Hoses. Could be forklifts in a second. We don't know what's going to happen. I know. I love it. You really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. This is a big weekend coming up. We're excited. Yeah. We actually get to have a sort of event weekend. Now, to kind of paint the way Paso does its celebratory weekends, this is the first one of the year. It's the third week in March. Uh, Forever it was known as Zinfest. Later, we kind of encapsulated Vintage Paso to really celebrate that you know idea of Zinfandel being our heritage varietal, but to also include uh, wineries that maybe are still celebrating but aren't don't have a Zin. Right, absolutely. It's one of our three you know major events throughout the year. They all happen in the th- the third weekend of March, May, and October. May is Wine Fest. May is wine f- and then of course October we have Harvest yeah. Wine Weekend. Harvest Wine Weekend is so fun. That really is the only one that doesn't necessarily have a marquee event to go with it. It's really get out to the wineries and see what they're doing. Right. What we've done is we have kind of carried that on into Vintage Paso Zinfandel Weekend because we can't have large gatherings yet. So it's a themed weekend, if you will. What it is, all the wineries are doing something different, doing something fun, an experience for you so you can still get out and go to wine country, experience Zinfandel, our heritage grape, or multitude of whatever. We've got so much cool stuff going on this weekend. And that's the thing, and that's what is so cool about PasoWine.com is because it's really a great resource. You could search by winery, search by the day, search by activity even. Right, yeah. What are some of the things that are going on? Yeah, so there are over 100 different experiences that we have going on. A couple cool things I actually saw scrolling through our website this morning is Derby, for example. They've got something a little different out of the box. You bring your pet, they've got paint your pet and sip Zinfandel. No way, that's cool. I know, right? Really cool. And that's a really historic place too. Talking about history, they're in the old almond... uh, was a factory mill, yeah, a little almond, mill? almond mill. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I've seen some wineries. Oh, Caliza is doing a primitivo and cheese pairing, mm. and then you've got your, you know, your Zinfandel powerhouses like Turley, Opolo, um, Brichelle. They've all got something going. Ducey's got live music this weekend. Um, downtown is happening. Pianetta has some Zinfandel flights. I even heard that the, the, the movie theater is going to be showing the Eberly movie. Oh, yeah. I got an email about that. I'm yeah. really excited. They're I forwarded him to you. I was like, you need to talk to yeah. Jim Bravo. Jim Bravo <laughs> yeah, connects thanks, all this. <laughs> yeah, they're showing full bore. Um, actually, starting today or tomorrow it's for the entire weekend, which is That's a great time. So cool. Yeah. For matinee prices, too, like 10 exactly. bucks. Exactly. Yeah, get so out cool. and support the movie theater. It's a really well made film, too. Yeah. And how do you not love Gary Eberly? Like, love him? Yeah, I we love just, him. We, lo- we all love him. You just love him. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
so this is really a fun weekend. The one thing we have to stress, and I feel like we've done a good job in this show doing it, because all of the winemakers that we've talked to say how important it is, not just for, for you who's coming to visit them, but for them, for everyone involved. Make that appointment. You know... Absolutely. No, we are not the wine region where everything is appointment only and we are going to be like that to some other areas. But these days, yeah, we ask that you call ahead and make an appointment because everyone has a different, you know, set of rules. They have different areas where they can make sure that people are distanced um, and just give them a call ahead and, and, and see what they have going on so you're prepared so they're prepared so they can fit you in so they have a spot for you so it, you don't get turned away. It makes, really it makes for a great experience and all, of course they're ready and like even Kane remember Robert Hall a couple podcasts right. ago he was like we'll have your name on a card at your table. Absolutely. Welcome you with some rosé. Like right. it, it just makes it that much better. Now some people will, will try and accommodate a walk-in. Not everyone can. Although right. they love to not everyone can especially right. on a weekend like this. Exactly. People are going to be here in town. It's busy and you know all, all the tasting rooms have have different sizes so they want to make the experience good for for us yeah. and we want to be prepared as well and not get turned away so just pick up the, the old school phone yeah the phone maybe yeah. make the phone call yeah and yeah <laughs> so also a uh, pasowine.com is a great resource to check out uh, any and all things that you know your favorite winery uh, might be doing maybe a winery that you haven't gone this is a great a way and reason to try a new winery. Maybe they got something that's enticing you or get out to one that maybe you've never even heard of just right. because, you know, you get to bring your pet and paint your pet. Like, how cool could that be? Yeah, and I've seen some wineries. I think even, like, I love Donati and they're neighbors yeah. of ours. And they've got, like, some cool wine specials happening this weekend. So a lot of people have wine specials, too. So yeah. get out and stock up your cellar. Weather's going to be beautiful. I'm excited. Me too. Now, the two other weekends, yeah, absolutely. And it happens every time as we get into one of these big Paso wine weekends. Uh, The next one is what we call Wine Fest. It's the third weekend in May. We are going to be doing something really, really cool, this wine auction I'm excited about. Yeah, so I really was excited to talk to you because this is the first time right here, right now. Breaking news? Breaking news. Cool. Some sort of cool sound effect. I'll put one in. Uh, Breaking news that we have a new event. And you're hearing about it first right here. It is the Past Rebels Wine Country Virtual Auction. It is May 10th and May 16th leading up to Wine Festival Weekend. It's all online. May 10th and or May, May 10th, 10th too? through. Okay, so, cool. You know, seven a whole week. Right, right. For you to bid on some killer, like really unique, out of the box experiences in wine that you cannot find or get any place else. Wow. So we're going to be announcing it to the rest of the world next week. We'll have the website up, the auction site. We're really, really excited about it. And I wanted to share with you Please. a couple cool, we've been working really, really hard on some really awesome auction lots. Yeah. So I wanted to give you like a little preview. Cool. I love I it. Go ahead. So one thing we're super stoked about is our friend speaking as Infidel at Hurley, they have their house, their estate home in the Pizzeni Vineyard, a house for six people for the weekend with private tastings and tours. That's an auction lot. Wow. Yeah. I know. Killer, right? Yeah. Like, you can't, it's not something you can go online, like no. on Airbnb or That's whatever. That's so cool. So it's really neat. We have a Saxon current release auction lot. Damn. So it's all of their, a whole case of their current release wines and two signed mags magnums wow from saxon oh no way yeah 
that's really exciting. Um, we've also got some really cool things like we have, we put together a Pioneers of Paso. So there's pioneers like Victor Hugo and Gary Eberly and Steinbeck, big bottles of pioneers. We have big bottles of the Heritage of Paso of Zinfandel with Jay Ducey and Opolo. One more I wanted to kind of touch on is this French Connection auction lot. So we got together with our good friends at L'Aventure, Binome, and Close Salen, and they are doing private tasting and tours for six at each estate, and then dinner wow. with all the winemakers at Julian's place, Le Petit Canai downtown. Oh, I want to win that. I know. I want to win that just to wanna... <laughs> sit and pick their brains for... I know. I'm going to have to sneak <laughs> That sounds like so much photos. fun. So that's just kind of a snapshot. Yeah. It'll be online next week. But okay, really so PasoWine.com? PasoWine.com. That will be going down again May 10th through 16th. In the meantime, make your reservations. Go to PasoWine.com. Our Thanks to uh, Jen Bravo for joining us. She does a lot more on this podcast uh, every week. She's our associate producer, so thank you for all the work you do for the podcast. Thanks, Adam. I'm excited to be on. You having fun? Yeah, I'm having a great time. Good. Well, thank you for everything. Say hello to our friends at Paso Wine, and I'll see you around this weekend. All right. Cheers. Thank you, Jen Bravo. And again, PasoWine.com. For anything before you make your next trip to Paso, especially if it's this weekend. Okay, we're off to Turley. Meeting up with Carl Wicca. He is the winemaker of this legendary brand here. And they have some cool Paso history and ties to the famed Pazenti Vineyards, which was an old brand back in the day here in Paso, one of the first. I show up to Turley. Carl is such a gentleman. He's got this custom table he made out of an oak tree on the property that fell and it's really beautiful. I mean, if he's half as good at winemaking as at carpentry, man. So we're distanced, each of us at one end of the table. The setup is really cool. Check out pics on my Insta, at Adam on the air, because the setup in the cellar, I just loved it. I'm addicted to the smell inside the cellar, too. So because of the history here at Turley, Carl was nice enough to open two bomb bottles of Turley. One from the Pizzeni Vineyard and a Zin 20 years old. We are going into the library, baby. So give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. It's got what I would call tertiary characters. That's when a wine starts to move towards things like leather. Mm-hmm. And you know, raisin paste. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. Ra- See, I'm so bad with descriptors. But when you say something that I get and I can identify with, I'm with you. You said like raisin paste. I'm like, well, I, I, I guess I get what you mean there. That's interesting. What about things like the real earthy flavors, ground, forest floor type things? I, I think that those are um, those are primary characters in some wines, like Pinot tends to have those. But uh, in a wine like this, I would agree I think that there are some kind of forest floor characteristics, but well, let's uh, let's reach across here. Cheers. Okay, I'm a distance. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> across time. I love it. This is a beautiful setup. I mean, first of all, there is nothing like the smell of a cellar. I mean, it's cellar temperature, the aromas. It. I always got allergies, and I'm always stuffed up at something, and it just clears my nose out. I love the smell of the cellar. It never gets old. I feel super lucky to be able to to work in an environment like this. 
in the summertime when it's super hot out there. It's cool. It can get a little bit cold, and I, I'm now 50 years old. I'm getting a little bit tired of being cold during the wintertime, but um, it, there's, you know, it's a super minor complaint. But yeah, the aroma is something that always intrigues folks that get to, to visit a winery, for sure. I'll have pictures posted here of uh, where we're at and what you set up on my Instagram. You can check out at Adam on the Air. You keep a very clean cellar. You had it all set up, this big, long, eight-foot table that you made. You made this table. I did, yeah, with a custom-built router sled. That's pretty cool. And it's uh, native oak, so it's this is a, a tree that fell on the property. In addition to the uh, 60 acres or so of vineyard that we've got, um, we have about another 60 acres or so of undeveloped land, lots of oak trees. And this was actually where one of those copses of oak trees comes up against one of the roads to the eastern edge of the property, and it, it uh, fell in 2017. We did a great job on the table. It looks fantastic. Thank you. Like a little DIY dude over here. Beyond a winemaker, you got many talents. It seems like. Yeah, it's well, it's a woodworking is a minor hobby of mine. My dad was uh, he was a fantastic woodworker, and so I picked up lots of tips from him, and and uh, lots of his tools are now in my possession as well. We have a twenty year old bottle of wine right in front of us. It's tasting fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I've. Um, you know, I've been asked a lot of times uh, over the years whether or not Zinfandel is a variety that can age. A lot of people don't give it the credit to do it. Well, um, and, you know, I think that the simple answer to that question is, of course it can. Should you? Should you, you know, take up some space in your wine refrigerator or your wine rack and and expect it to improve for decades to come? I mean, uh, I personally would pick another variety because... Personally, I think that the most attractive traits of Zinfandel are present within the first five or six years of the wine's life after bottling. But I think that this is a I'm good example that, um, of uh, you know that, that it actually can. We're going to talk about Zinfandel. We're going to talk about Paso. Before we get into like Paso's fingerprint and its signature on Zinfandel, because not only is it California's heritage varietal, it is Paso's heritage varietal. But let's talk about Zinfandel in and of itself. It's an interesting grape. It, it grows unevenly, which causes folks like you some issues because you could be about to harvest it and have this, what looks like a little football player. It's got these big shoulders on it. And you could have green berries on one side that are just not ripe enough. And then you may flip the cluster over and you got a raisin or two. It is just the nature of this grape. Now, is when you put those whole clusters, is it important to rip the, the, the too old and the too young off? Or does that kind of create, maybe keeping them in there along with all the good ones, maybe keeps that character? What is it about Zinfandel that is so special? Well, you know, okay, so I'm going to start off by agreeing with you in that the, you know, the challenges presented by the varietal are, as you have described, you have green berries on the same cluster as raisins. And where is it actually in terms of ripeness? And how is that going to affect the wine that you make? And so it is challenging. We do actually have a chance to do a little bit of sorting before we put the grapes into, this, into fermenters here at Turley. But for the most part, everything's going in. I mean, green fruit, you can generally, if you farm it correctly, uh, you can eliminate that. But there's always a certain percentage of raisins that go in with berries that may be right at 24, 25 bricks where you want it. And there's going to be some that are less ripe, but we feel that the best product is made when all that goes in. One thing about Zinfandel 
is uh, you see this what they call head trained these vineyards. They look like little bonsai trees sticking out of the ground. And you mentioned uh, the juicy fruit. It's what you see on the 101 as you're coming into Paso wine country. And it looks like a, a trillion little bonsai trees. When you pass a turley on vineyard, you see these same beautiful old head trained vineyards. What is the significance of head trained? Uh, you, you definitely hear the term old vine a lot with Zinfandel. What's the significance as far as uh, the way it's grown? Well, you'd already mentioned that Zinfandel is the heritage variety of California. And you think back to what grape growing looked like a century ago when a lot of these vineyards were planted. And there was no machinery capable of drilling super deep wells in order to find groundwater in order to irrigate a vineyard. So there's, uh, there's no need for water. There's no drip hose. There was no plastics industry able to commercially produce ways to deliver uh, water dry to farmed. the vines. So it's dry farm. Yeah. No, there's no trellis wire available. And so the, really the only way to grow grapes would, was to actually train them in this freestanding method. So no water, um, no uh, trellis wires. And in order to do that successfully, you really need to be able to eliminate water competition in the vineyard. And so you need to be able to cultivate around every single vine. And that is uh, the reason that's on a 10 by 10 spacing that gives you about 450 plants per acre. They're not competing with each other for water. And this is the way that uh, the old timers were able to successfully farm grapes. Now, before we get into Paso, I remember our first trip with the Cork Dork show, we went up to Zap, Zinfandel Advocates and Producers. It's like the largest Zinfandel tasting in the world. I am sure you are super familiar and, and because you, you, there's a handful of names and the, the Ridges, the, the Ravenswoods, there's several more. I love Gamba up in the Russian River, but Turley is up there. You guys are a Zin house and you guys are well respected as a Zin house. When did Turley decide to stake their claim onto Zen? Okay, so that would have been in uh, the early 90s. I'm going to say 1993. So my employer, Larry Turley, actually got into the wine industry in 1982. Um, He'd been a landowner in in the early 80s at that point for 10 years. He'd moved there in the early 70s, but founded a winery with a business partner, John Williams, called Frog's Leap. That was in 1982. And the two of them grew that brand to around 50,000 cases, if I remember correctly, in a decade. And at that point, Larry then had a young family and the winery was there at his property. And he was interested in becoming a more focused operation. And so he sold the brand and the inventory to his business partner, but kept the real estate. And then the following vintage started up with the Turley brand. And that was to focus on a couple of his favorite vineyard properties that he had come to know through the Frog's Leap winery. And that, uh, so that was Old Vine Zinfandel and then a a little bit of old vine petite Syrah as well. Now, one of the first names in Paso, old school names, was Pazenti. And that, I mean, only when there was just a couple wineries here, maybe Rada, uh, maybe Peachy Canyon, Pazenti, right? Somehow the transition went from, like, this is what Pazenti used to be, this, these grounds, right? Correct? Correct, yes. And then, so do, then did it go to somebody else and then Turley, or how did all that go down? So, uh, again, Larry and uh, his his sister was the 
His sister, Helen Turley, was the initial winemaker. She um, was employed by Larry for a couple of vintages before Aaron Jordan took over. But, you know, the, that trio had an immense amount of success, selling out of every vintage, selling direct to consumer. They were one of the pioneers of the direct to consumer business model. And so that allowed them, put them in a position to begin to expand their portfolio. And they knew that there were these pockets of Zinfandel all up and down the state, old patches, old vines Zinfandel that had been in the ground for you know, 80, 100 years. And that brought them to Paso Robles. And so initially, they sought to buy grapes from the Pizzenti to then truck up to the winery in St. Helena, which still exists and still produces about 60% of the wine for the brand. And the Pizzenti's declined to sell grapes. They felt like they had, you know, a, you know, a market for all the wine that they were making and that they weren't interested in becoming, you know, to, taking on new customers for grapes. And so they, you know, they politely declined. And then the following year, uh, Larry and Aaron, you know, asked again, say, hey, you know, if there ever comes a time when you guys want to sell us some grapes, please just let us know. And that went, you know, that dance went back and forth for three or four years. And then it was in 2000 that the you know the Pizzenti's found themselves in a position where the right thing to do for their family and for their business was to sell the entire operation. At that point, Turley was at still on a pretty steep upward growth trajectory, and they had the capital in place to do it. They didn't have a tasting room; still don't have a tasting room up up there in Napa. And so, in acquiring this property, they were getting the the right to sell wine, not only getting the vineyard, getting the winery and the production facility, but to, to sell wine to walk-in customers. Really capture so, that direct-to-consumer relationship. So, right. So they, they never did sell grapes to Larry and, and, and Aaron, but, but you know, ultimately they found the right customer and sold the entire you know, it was lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Now, let's talk Paso's in because um, Paso is phenomenal because it can grow so many types of varietals to world-class levels so well, from Viognier to Chenin Blanc to Grenache Blanc to, of course, Syrah, Cab, you know, you fill in the blank. Uh, Zinfandel, we never struggle with ripeness or achieving ripeness here. Talk about the characteristics or the signature that Paso puts on Zinfandel. Okay, I think that um, what makes the Zinfandels that we make down here stand out in the Turley portfolio is the presence of natural acidity. And this is something you hear about a ton in Paso Robles because of the, the, the nature of the soil. Um, specifically for this property here, the Pizzeni Vineyard, you know, we're on a big upheaving of calcareous parent material, old seafloor, um, that uh, preserves the natural acidity and, and the grapes that you harvest. And that is the easiest hallmark to tell them to, to tell them apart from the others Zinfandels. And, and Turley at this point as a business is making about 40 different Zinfandel bottlings from wow. up and down the state. Damn. Um, 10 different counties. Uh, it's um, easy to pick the Paso Zins out because of, is it, is it right? because of the acidity. Yeah, and and I think that that is also you know the reason why all the other varieties perform equally as good as Zinfandel has been for now a century or more is that uh, you know you have the the a good combination of weather and proximity to the ocean and then the soil type that allows you to fully ripen things and not lose 
the natural acidity. 40 different Zinfandels that Turley makes. How many do we make here in Paso? Okay, so here we do, uh, of course, Pizzanti, which is the estate vineyard. And we are now into the 18th year of leasing the Uberoth Vineyard on Willow Creek Road, another super old Zinfandel site. Old school Paso legendary name. Um, the Ducey Vineyard, same duration of time. We started working with the Ducey family to take the old vines off of the uh, Dante Ducey Vineyard in the 2002 vintage. And super fortunate that that is a relationship that continues to this day. And then in 2014, we had the opportunity to pick up another vineyard um, purchased from the original family that planted it also here in Templeton. It's on Ridge Road. Locally, it's referred to as the Martinelli Vineyard and planted at the same time as the Pizzeni Vineyard in the early 20s. And uh, we bottle it as Amadeo's Zinfandel in that uh, there's a winery up there in Sonoma County that has a trademark on Martinelli. And they declined us permission to bottle it as the Martinelli Vineyard. So internally, we still refer to it as Martinelli, but for legal purposes on the label, it says Amadeo's Zinfandel. Those are the three or four, pardon me, four different um, Zinfandels that we bottle down here. Now, we've talked about Zin in the vineyard, talked about its characteristics as far as a cluster and what makes it what it is. We've talked about Paso's, you know, signature kind of fingerprint on what Zinfandel can be and can achieve. Let's talk about Turley's now because, you know, sometimes when... We talk about Zinfandel in the glass. You know, it's um, people will use words like, oh, it's it's jammy, it's this, it's that. Some people give you Zin, you're like, oh, a little spicy. I taste some Zins that almost have like a sexy tannin structure that almost like is silky like uh, like cab in a way, like a really good cab. Like I taste like, um, like I mentioned, Gamba Russian River, yours. Uh, there's a small handful of Zins that have a smooth and sexiness about them but don't deny you the fruit, but don't knock you in the side of a head with a two-by-four with it. What is Turley's kind of take, and how do you want to be known for expressing this world-class varietal? I think what you're describing is is balance. Because, and again, we when we talked about what uh, challenges there are with Zinfandel and having raisins and green berries on the same cluster, it's pretty easy to actually get a wine... Uh, that it is somehow or another out of balance. And again, we um, we do have uh, some sorting techniques that we like to utilize in order to make the clusters as uniform as possible. That's principally done in the vineyard. And then we have a t- uh, table here in the winery. Um, there's fermentation processes that are kind of, I want to say they're proprietary. I mean, it's not a secret or anything like that, but we do an error. You've got some tricks up your sleeve a little bit. And, and, and it's in an effort to actually um, yield a product that is balanced. Yeah. And uh, when it's in the glass, how do you identify it? Or how do you identify a really solid Zin? Even if you're like tasting somebody else's, what are some things that you kind of go, okay, I'm digging into this glass, my nose, getting it into my palate. What, what, what screams at you that, that goes, this is a damn good Zin? Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to beat it dead horse but again it's it's, it's balanced, balanced because yeah. you know there it's pretty easy to actually make a wine that is going to ha- have like a, a sore thumb standing out greenness is is one i mean that's the, one of the challenges and uh, quite frankly one of the knocks that zinfandel has a lot is that it's high in alcohol and the reason is because the uneven 
ripening characteristic of the cluster, you're going to have to have a percentage of of raisins. And these raisins are going to um, knock the ABV of the resulting wine up. But if you go ahead and make the decision that you want to, like, Oh, you know, before or just when the clusters start to raise, and that's when we're going to pick because we don't want a high ABV. Then, oftentimes, what I've seen is that the the wines that result from a picking decision like that are green, and green in a bad way, green in a, in a way that sticks out like a sore thumb that's sure. not balanced. Yeah, but then you can go the other way as well. I mean, I've I've been bowled over by. Um, awfulness again. You're 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 talking about Zap. I, I've been um, a dozen different times. Yeah, it's so much fun. And uh, you know, tasting through a lot of other wines where you get uh, wines that are maybe sixteen and a half percent alcohol, but then have a bunch of residual sugar. Yeah, and those are extreme. I mean, they they're super flashy and they may taste good for a sip, but if you go back for a second sip, then they just become unbelievably cloying. That's and a really good point. I think you expressing that in that way will really help someone listening uh, to better identify what will taste like a balanced Zin when they're lucky enough to have a good Paso one in the glass. This 2001 tastes so good. Do you remember 2001? What were you doing in 2001? So 2001 was the last year that I worked at Wild Horse. So okay, cool. As uh, as a young graduate of Cal Poly, I was super <laughs> fortunate to get hired by Ken Volk. That was in 1994. Dang. And so I worked for eight vintages under uh, Ken Volk and, and John Priest. Um, it was an amazing time to work there because when I started in uh, 1994, the winery produced about 50,000 cases of wine. And then the last vintage that I worked there in 2001, we made enough wine to bottle 200,000 cases. So in eight years, a business grew 500%. And, you know, in in an industry like the wine industry, that means a huge logistical puzzle that has to be solved. Yeah. Um, To be able to uh, increase your facility, uh, the footprint of your facility, how many fermenters you're going to need to bring in every year to accommodate all of the additional grapes that you've contracted to buy. It's a big scale. It was, yeah, it was a huge scale up. And so, I mean, I learned a ton. Um, But at the end of it all, in 2001, um, I'd had enough of, you know, you know, making wine on that scale. I wanted to become a winemaker that was more focused. And right. so um, a lot of things had to line up, but I was able to jump over here in early 2002. So I didn't make this wine, but I, it was in barrel when I got here. Okay. How much do you think a gallon of milk, if you remember, 2001, what would you guess? A uh, $1.50. Uh, $2.90. Loaf of bread. A loaf of bread in 2001. This is okay, so we're talking about... Uh, 99 cents. Wow. Okay, I got one more for you. Uh, let's see. Postage stamp was 34 cents. Average price for a new car, 25K. A gallon of gas. Now, it's probably skewed in California, it's tough to say, but because we're always so much more expensive than everyone else. But what do you think the, the average for a gallon of gas was? In... In, in 2001? 2001, 20 uh, years ago, which is the same age as this beautiful wine. $3. $145. I know, right? Yeah, yeah it's probably where you said it was probably that for us. But <laughs> Wow. It's just like, a bottle of wine 
is like a time capsule. It's so much fun to go back and listen to exactly where you were in your journey, where wine was taking you to see where you were in 2001, uh, to drink this here with you. It's such a pleasure. Zinfandel, you guys are a Zin house, but don't think that you can't come to Turley and not taste some other incredible wines. Petite Syrah, uh, what are some other stuff you're playing with? One of the wines that I'm most proud of that we're producing here is a bottling that we call the Tecalote. And so Tecalote is the Spanish word for, or Mexican Spanish word for owl. And we actually, the Pizzeni Vineyard is 22 different blocks. All of them have unique names. And the Tecalote block is on the western edge of the property. And it is some of the oldest Grenache in the state. And so in addition, at the very top of the the vineyard, we have about an acre and a quarter of Carignan. And so if, you know, you're, you're familiar with these, what, 21 Rhone varietals? Yeah. Both Grenache and Carignan are on that list. And so uh, we have Carignan that was planted in 1922 and Grenache that was planted in the uh, early 40s. And we have, um, starting with the 2012 vintage, um, kept those separately. It, it initially, um, the first 10 vintages that we made from the property here, we would blend those into the Pizzeni Zinfandel. Yeah. Um, but we now vinify them separately and blend wow. them separately. And it's pretty small, a lot of wine. It's about 150 we got, cases. we got to taste one of these after we're out of, off the air here. Absolutely. The, oh, my um, gosh. You kidding and me? So, yeah, we bottle it as uh, as a Rhone blend. It's kind of uh, – it's a common blend in Catalan, which is an area of Spain, Grenache and uh, Carignan. You're seeing so more Carignan here. Speaking of Ducey, Janelle's playing with it. Yeah. A lot of fun winemakers are playing with Carignan, and it's yeah. badass. It's so good. It Yeah, it's – um, it it's a tough wine to make stand on its own. Yeah, I'll give. I mean, it it does. It, it requires. You're seeing people little, do it, like Amy Butler and Joji down the street doing it. Um, there, there are there are ways that you can manipulate. Not that I don't want to use the word manipulate, but you know, uh, competent winemakers in you know in the right can hands, they can make guide it guide it the right they way. They can guide it into a spot where it can stand alone <laughs> for sure. Uh, Amy Butler is one of my favorite winemakers locally. Chris Cherry, I know, has planted some Carignan. He was on the last um, episode. He's great. Um, and it's it, you know it's it's a challenging grape to work with but when we blend it with the old uh grenache it's i think magical and so that's one of the uh the wines that i'm most proud of here uh is the tecalote i cannot wait to try it Carl Wicca is the winemaker here for Turley. You guys are tasting. Uh, obviously, you're at some reduced capacity, or how are we doing it? Right. At this point, we're still doing outside tastings only because we don't have a kitchen, and we're not you know, interested in, in uh, trying to rush things in order just to be able to have people inside. So, I mean, we're optimistic that pretty quick here we're going to um, be able to start to seat people inside again. But at the moment, it's um, by appointment only and on the lovely variety veranda that we have it's beautiful out here uh, make an appointment check out what turley's got going on turleywinecellars.com winemaker carl wicker here man this was so much fun thanks for taking me back in the past little time machine and to get to know you better this was really a privilege i can't thank you enough carl absolutely anytime adam did you have fun i did that's good stuff right. man Give me that long time, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Mm-hmm. 
great chat with Carl. And after we stopped rolling tape, we talked for a while longer about everything from where we grew up to our love for live music and our most memorable concert experiences. I mean, it's amazing what a bottle of wine and that lost art of coming to table, albeit a very long table, it's amazing what it can do. Made a new friend and thankful to Turley for their time and, of course, their role in the Paso wine scene, which is undeniable. Not only here in Paso, but what a great calling card outside of Paso that they are. Okay, next stop, Opelo. Opelo for Shopelo. Several miles down Vineyard Drive are the stunning estate vineyards of Opelo. I swear they must be this far down Vineyard just so they can party and not disturb anyone. The rolling hills, I mean, it is just beautiful. They have some of the best parties ever. Back when we used to gather, whoo, their harvest parties, literally epic. So are their blending parties. Shoot, anytime they are celebrating and they're throwing something, it's worth it. Check it out. These guys just embody good fun, and the people are great. They're also known around the country for their Zinfandel. Their Mountain Zin, the Summit Zin. Now they got a Reserve Zin. Just three of the many, many, many wines they produce. They literally have something for everyone. Now I show up to Opelo to chat with one of their two winemakers, James Schreiner. But it must be two for Tuesday because I'm getting both winemakers, James and Chris Rougeau, and Robert Nadeau, who also knows a thing or two about winemaking and has been at Opelo and entrenched in the Paso wine scene for many, many years. Also really enjoyed meeting their enologist, Sky. She's hanging out, but she's unmiked. All right, are we ready? All right, let's get opelo Give me that moonshine, we'll get by We pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees It will simplify good company Opalo! Opalo! <laughs> you, can, you cannot give an emphatic, jubilant Opalo when it comes to when it comes to hanging out here. I mean, I have so many memories. I mean, the best parties, you know. I mean, you rival only like Tobin James with like just the amount of fun you can package into one evening and the amount of wine parentheses. But it's so much fun. Opolo, it's so cool to be here. Uh, and it's cool to have a, a cool little round table. We got a James Schreiner, Chris Rougeau, both winemakers here, Robert Nadeau. I mean, you're the old school winemaker here. Indeed. You've been here for a minute, huh? Yeah, 1987. I'd say so. Look at that. That's so cool. I mean, Paso has been your thing for, I mean, it's been really, it must be really cool to, to be the experience with, with all you have in Paso to see where Paso has come in this amount of time. Yeah. In terms of the, of a city, I moved here in the seventies. And so at, at that time there was virtually nothing. It, it came dusk. You could roll a bowling ball down spring street, and not hit anything. I mean, yeah. The, literally, the sidewalks rolled up, and it, it was sleepy town. Also on the show, uh, Turley, of course, so you think of like Pizzeni. I mean, these are one of the original names. Yep. And you think of Rada, uh, maybe, you know, Tobias, Peachy Canyon, whatever, but some of the names of the... Tobias, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. That's a Jim what? Wheeler. Uh, yeah. Wheeler, yeah. Wheeler, right. Wheeler and Beckett. Yeah, and you're talking like late 70s, early 80s, then later on, and then maybe a few more piled in, but man... Yeah, York Mountain, that went back to the 1880s. Yeah. 82. Yeah, the York Brothers. Mm-hmm. Now now the grounds of Epic Estate that's Wines, right. one of my favorites, too. Yep. Opolo is... Opelo is a beast. If you just have to come here, you have to meet the people to, to understand what Opelo is all about. The experience is one of a kind. You make so many different wines, and if you if you like 
wine at all, there is going to be a wine that you're going to fall in love with. And what you guys are so good at is that you might like, you might think you like this wine, or I'm into the reds, or well, I got a white that will be just like the kind of red you like. Or you guys can, you, you guys really cover it all here. And that's what's so cool. Um, Chris, James, winemakers here with this brand new white. Why don't you explain this, uh, this new white to me, James? What's going on here? So we got this Willow Blanc 2019. It's really rich in the glass. We did some skin contact of the Vignet and yeah, the yeah. Sean blend. Uh, what made you want to get skin contact? That's some funk. That's some that's some sexiness. I like that. We wanted to play around with it because we, you know, winemakers are always looking at what's happening in, in the wine world, but yeah. we, we hadn't either had any experience with it yet. And so Chris and I were like having a beer and we're like, what should we do? Should we do something crazy? And we're like, oh, let's do some skin contact Vignet. And it tur- turned out all right. No, we were drinking a beer, and James said, I want to do skin contact Viognier. And I went, <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. It's funny, because that reaction, like, the face that Chris has right now, when uh, when we made the Pic Pool Blanc, we made a barrel of Pic Pool Blanc, we put it on skins for 24 hours, and I was trying to ask every single winemaker in my phone, you know, like scrolling through the Rolodex for an old school term, what do you think about skin contact? And like mo- the majority was like, nah, you don't need to do skin contact on it. And, um, but we, we knew we wanted to, so we we're going to do it anyways. And, and then you'd find these ones and be like, oh, okay, okay. And it turned out great, you know, but skin contact, how fun. You're seeing more people do it to a, a lot of success. And this wine tastes great. It's beautiful. It's the first reserve white, first white blend that we've ever done at Opolo. Acacia barrels, some a uh, little bit of French oak. Now, the reserve tier is, is relatively kind of only several, maybe five, six years old, right? I mean, the reserve tier, we've, we've done the, the Rhapsody was kind of this, this upper echelon wine. The reserve Zin, which I think we're going to do in a second. But, you know, Opolo is a great brand to, one, wrangle you in and reel you into drinking some good wine, trying some new stuff, but over-delivering in a way that, you know, not a lot of other wineries over-deliver like this. We're about to head into a very special weekend. Zinfandel is the, the heritage varietal for California. It's the heritage varietal for Paso Robles. And it's really a big weekend in Paso wine country because if you think about it, you know, we would have, you know, pre-COVID, we would have a big celebration for Zinfest or Vintage Paso weekend. We would have a huge celebration for May and Wine Fest. And then Harvest Fest, a Harvest Wine weekend would be this weekend where there was really no marquee event, but Paso would really try and get you all out to the to the wineries and, of course, the parties that you guys would have at Harvest Fest are, like, literally for the ages. But Zinfandel is, a, is the heritage varietal for Paso. Robert... What is Opolo's expression of Zinfandel? And what is that kind of expression that Opolo says, hey, this is the way we do Zin? Well, Opolo's been around long enough to where uh, way back years and years ago, there was a Zin tasting that would occur at the fairgrounds. I remember that. And, um, and it was fantastic. And that's what we we're trying to get people to come to Paso. Please come to Paso. Try us. Come visit with <laughs> us. You know, we're over here. We're one of the far out wineries, you know, because back in the day, we were the left out wineries, right? So a bunch of us on the west side, we got together and formed a group of wineries. We called ourselves the far out wineries. We would get together collectively after the Zinfandel event. Um, at the fairgrounds kind of dried up. And so we did our own event and we would do a tasting up on the hill at Opolo. And for anyone who hasn't been up on the special event terrace, it's a two acre grass area that has the most stunning views. Most people are ever likely to see in our area anyway. And we just made our own group event of a bunch of neighboring wineries. And um, with the passage of time, the far out wineries were so successful that we had 
too, so many people coming to town that we were like almost a, a victim of our own success. We yeah. just had too many people coming. Yeah, sure. So everyone kind of went off in their own way. And so Opolo, just we never let go as Infidel. It's just... It's our, it's our, in terms of cases produced and, and all that kind of stuff, it's our marquee wine. I think our best wines are our, our Bordeaux blends and Bordeaux wines, frankly, but the Zinfandel wines from Opolo, they've always been really hard to beat. Certainly, if you're going to go price point to price point, I mean, toe to toe, you know, with the fat wallet, um, you're just, it's, you really pretty much can't beat these wines. I remember talking to Ash, who has Taste of the Valley a wine bar in Pismo Beach. And it's one, I mean, he's been written up in like either Enthusiast or Spectators, like one of the top 100 wine bars in the country. Uh, he's, it's almost like the Powell's books in Portland of, of wine bar. Wine is all around you. Uh, he, he will open up anything. You can do anything by the glass you want. And I asked him one time on my show on the radio, I was like, what flies out of here more than anything else? He didn't even skip a beat. He's like, on the mountains in. How about that? Easy. He's like, it's easy, mountains Woo! in. I mean, like the that? Mountains Infidel, it's such an entry. It's a calling card to Paso and to get into that shelf, getting a good wine, but over-delivering. And the thing about the Mountains Inn is is that I have a lot of people who say, like, we'll come in and say, like, oh, we well, want to go wine tasting. You know, I have friends coming to town, like, well, you know, we're a little intimidated about wine. I don't know. I mean, I drink wine, but I don't really know. Mountains Inn is the one you should go to first because it, it has got so much going on with it. It explodes with, uh, with, with it just explodes with flavor. It's a we literally push that wine until it's almost going off the cliff and too much, and you just reel it back slightly. And it's it should be that it's it's big, it's voluptuous, uh, and it's really really enjoyable. And it's just a it's a big step up from going off of that uh, second shelf out the at the grocery store. Yeah, if you're going to look for a you know for a good entry level wine, I, I don't mean to say entry level but a wine that if you don't if you think you want to practice yeah it's a great wine to come in and because it's got so much going on zinfandel is a heritage varietal to paso let me ask you about opolo i mean you deep dive into opolo you get the experience whether it's at the inn the high-end inn or whether it's doing a, a wedding or an event here or you're just coming to tasting got the pizza i mean we're going to be doing uh spirit tasting in a second i hope and <laughs> uh the experience with opolo has been so important to dave nichols and rick quinn who are the uh, proprietors of the brand it's in your blood to create an experience for your fans and you weren't able to what are we doing now what have you been doing well the hospitality people they were just pulling rabbits out of their hat through the whole particularly in the beginning of covid where they just went from having you know boots on the ground in the tasting room putting you know great wine on the counter in front of tasters to manning the phones and they just got on the phone they were just very proactive with Mm -hmm. hey Hey, we're calling from Opolo. Uh, you know, you know, your wine club shipment's going to be on time. All that kind of stuff. But hey, you know, we have a case special on this. We have this other thing, so that we're trying to facilitate getting this this wine in your hands. And they were really super successful with getting people who were. I mean, that was it was almost like a like a constant meme in social media was people drinking they weren't going out and so you know they would enjoy their wine at home and they needed some wine to enjoy and so thankfully uh opolo's timing and and uh their clientele base was you know it worked out where we could we could put wine on people's doorsteps and and um and they reordered because well you know, they, they enjoyed the wine yeah well a lot of people let's be honest i mean i didn't put on 15 pounds for this stupid thing because i wasn't drinking <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> <Robert> <laughs> <put on> 30. <laughs> 
I was being generous with my 15 too. I was being nice to me. You're right. What is Opolo doing now? We're, we're starting to see 50, 60 million people have been vaccinated. We are getting numbers are going drastically down. There is a John Hopkins like we're, we're herd immunities around the corner. People are getting the, the poke in the arm. Where do we see things? What is Opolo doing now? We're allowed to have um, a little bit of people back in the back in business. What are we doing now? What is Opolo doing for their fans right now? The, the rules kind of change as, as things me, change. I it. I and know. so uh, we do as much as we can with the, with the rules that we deal with and the resources we have available. Fortunately for Opelo, because a lot of the rules involved having to serve a meal, in quotes, to, in order to have... You've been doing that for years. But that's exactly right. And so we already had those resources in place to do it. And then you couldn't do it indoors. But for anyone who's been to Opelo, we have this huge outdoor patio area with big-ass fans up on top and misters when it's hot. And those are big-ass fans. They say it right on the fans. Yeah, so that's not the like brand. Being, you know, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we've got big-ass fans in there for when it's hot. And then we've got these fantastic heaters for when, it's, when it cools down. And so we've been able to leverage our, the resources we already had to take... Uh, advantage as best we could of the restrictions that were just the reality of having a pandemic taking place. And so uh, a lot of smaller wineries didn't have those uh, resources already available really, really, really suffered. And we just suffered. But I mean, we were able to keep our people, our staff on staff nice. um, for the most part. And yeah. so we really dodged some big bullets out because of clever thinking, um, very you know creative marketing and... Um, and owners that were very flexible and, and you know, willing to, to try these things. So What's the plan out. for ZinFest? ZinFest is right around the corner. Right. Third, it's third weekend in May every year. Um, March. Um, March, excuse me, the third weekend in May is the, the wine festival. So By yeah. the time people are hearing this, it's a day away. That's like, right. Okay, so yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So tomorrow is going to be the ZinFest. <laughs> um, and so uh, we're, uh, as Opolo is known to do, um, we'll be spinning lambs. And uh, the food's always fabulous. We've got our, our pizza oven and, and um, charcuterie plates and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know what the exact board affair is going to be, but if you come out to Opelo on a special event weekend, you will not leave hungry or less than satiated unless you want to. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, that, that's going to be your choice. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, a, a trip to Opelo will not go unrewarded with good times. And you have the um, Willow Creek Distillery. Indeed, yeah. Which is, is kicking ass right now. They're putting out, it just gets better and better. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been fans, honestly, since the beginning. This is the plum brandy that Sky poured for us. But I mean, shoot, you're no Chino. You're, I mean, you just fill in the blank. Like, I've always been a fan of all the different stuff that the distillery has been putting out. And are we still, are we tasting out of the distillery right now, James? Yes? Yes, we're still t- tasting out of the, the distillery. We're going to do some VSOP cognac brandy that should be Ooh. coming out of barrel soon. Uh, Kevin's been doing some malt notes and doing some whiskey. I saw he, he just bottled some whiskey this week. So he's been doing. He's been busy. So you guys have been. That's the thing is like COVID. The grapes don't know about COVID. Like obviously the vineyard's doing its thing. You guys are doing your thing in the cellar. Sky's doing her thing in the lab. Uh, Kevin's doing his thing in the distillery. Like you guys are just. You guys are rocking and rolling. Yeah, it never really changed for us. We were all essential yeah. workers. We were all. We were all. Believe me, wine's very essential. Uh, Indeed, we were all essential workers. So it just. We just. It didn't. It never really changed. I never. We never had that thing where we had to do work from home. You really can't 
no. do wine from home. So for us, oh, I've been doing wine from home for about a year. And <laughs> yeah. You can't do, can do wine from home. <laughs> no, I hear you. And so it never really, it just never really changed for us. It was just kind of, it was a little weird the first little bit. And after that, we just are very careful. Everybody wears masks. Everybody wears masks inside the at the winery yeah. down here in the production facility. And we just, it was just business as usual. It never really changed for us. It's crazy because I think of um, you mentioned that big hill, Robert, and that two acre hill on top of Opelo. It is uh, the the views are unreal. It's crazy, and that harvest party. It's like hanging out with like five hundred of your best friends, and it's <laughs> nuts. I'm Serbian dancing, and pretty soon I like I meet. I, I got I became bros with the Serbian dancer and like uh, we, we kind of look like each other we're kind of like doppelgangers and i forgot his name his name is escaping me right now but because he's got kind of an interesting name but i wear his hat Sp- every year M- maybe no um oh shoot give me a cup uh save Oh, Save. Save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool dude. And then I'm, by the end, I'm, I'm dancing Serbian music. I'm wearing a furry hat. Like, it is the most fun it's ever. And I don't want to pin you to anything now, but I'm like, can you tell me that's going to happen this year? It looks like maybe the, the direction that, well, it's all about COVID. <laughs> right, it's I know. still on the books. Right there now. you go. That's all I want to hear. Yeah, we haven't scratched it off. Yeah, it's there you just, go. It's, it's going to be a function of what we're, we're talking allowed October. to do. And I, I can't believe that we're not much, much closer to the end. Yeah, because if you back time it, that's October. You back time it a little bit before that. You got May and Wine Fest. We're yet to see how that's going to go. But I mean, we're we're going to be doing our, our thing this weekend for uh, Vintage Paso Zinfandel weekend. I just hope that um, because of the experiences that you guys are so good at giving folks that. Uh, um, we're we're back in that business soon. It's really fun to like taste these wines again. I mean, the wine's always getting better. I love everyone on the crew here. It's just always so much fun to get Opelode. <laughs> I do love it. I really You've been do. Opelode. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like if you have ever been to Opelo, uh, the wines are great. But you know what's one thing? And it's like we've said this on this podcast before. Like happy wine comes from a happy cellar. You just taste the the, the experience, the fun, the people, the whole scene when you're drinking an Opelo wine. And it's so funny because you can get that from Opolo, but it's honestly a part of why that is the the highest the, the thing that's flying out of Taste of the Valley's wine bar in Pismo Beach. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 so cool. When you're talking about that, uh, so I've been with uh, Opolo for nine years, and I am. The I remember sh- when you came here. Damn, I am the short timer on this table. Yeah, I am the sure. short timer. I've been here nine years. That's like twenty years. Oh, I've been with Opolo longer than it's you. It's like twenty years in winemaker years. <laughs> Opolo's been <laughs> stuck with me longer than they've been stuck with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and like, I, I love it. They, they, uh, Rick and Dave, the owners, the proprietors. Yeah. That when, when I, I interviewed, they're like, "We want to make better wine. Can you do that?" And I was like, "Yes." And they great. We're going to hold you to that. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And and it's been that way every year. And and uh, you know, James was here before I am, and uh, uh, Robert it's been you know it, it, since the beginning since yeah the I feel like I've been talking so, to you forever like yeah, you've been here a while carbon date me yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome uh, James Chris uh, winemakers here there's a lot of skews, which means there are a lot of different wines, whether it's the Fusion, the Maestro, uh, the Rhapsody, the the Reserve, the the this, the that. I think it's so cool because you, you guys are still adding them. This Reserve White, it's the first time they've ever done a Reserve White. It's called Willow Blanc. I love the name. I love the label. It's a beautiful wine. A little skin contact. Sexy. It's so good. And then I love this uh, Zin Reserve. And then the, the Willow Creek stuff, like, Opelo, you guys are, you guys are just rocking. All we got more on the way. We got, we got, we got bullets in our... In our uh, Anything on the horizon you can spill to us on this podcast? We've just got new vineyards that we're developing. Oh, look, at Chris is already making them shut. He's already trying to censor no. you. 
You're going to cancel him? This is exactly what I wanted to talk about, the new vineyards. No, oh. we've, got, we've got new vineyards that we're developing. That okay. It's, it's like Napa transplanted down here, real tight spacing, um, new clones for us, new rootstock for the area. Uh, Napa, that's an auto parts store, right? It is. They, they make wonderful, <laughs> they, they distribute wonderful auto parts. But, uh, no, no, I hear what you mean. So you guys have got some new stuff online, yeah, some yeah, new vineyards. With, with cool. some heritage clones that are, that are new out of FPS, at least reasonably new out of FPS. Nice. Uh, which is sort of the Central American clearinghouse for uh, right. grape, wine grape cultivars. Um, so we're super excited about that. And um, I don't want to get into too much detail, but we'll, we'll show you around next time. Well, so. when you are ready to get into too much detail, make sure that you do it with me first, right? <laughs> Will do. All right. I love it. Uh, well, you were going to say something? Say, well, I can part, always tell when you're about to say something. I know, well, I want to make sure I can get in there. Uh, <laughs> the best part about that, this new vineyard project, is just, it's just we got to be able, we, we were there from, from inception all the way through, to so be able to choose the Rootstock clones. It's, and That's have, cool. And have That's got to be that cool. That project on a Willow Creek west side property does not come around very often, so yeah. it's super exciting. That's awesome. No, I'd say that the soils and everything are, you know, when you hear people talking about, oh, in the southern, you know, Rhone Valley, we were looking for this and that, and it's like, we're talking about like like um, calcium uh, and lime on your soils lab data that you receive back from the labs where it's all these red lines that go all the way across to the like problem problem and we're like score score because (laughs) yeah it's a problem viticulturally but the wines that come from soils like that are amazing yeah so it's like yeah from from a farmer perspective we'll be cursing this but from a winemaking perspective it's like we're it's like mecca it's awesome it's not for row crops it's for it's for world-class grapes exactly from paso robles and so it's all these all these fabulous shattered shale soils and everything you just walk around just look at it you just know that you're in the right place it's awesome we live in a special area i loved celebrating this special varietal zin Uh, i still am like let's call it zin fest i'm a zin fest old schooler Uh, vintage pasos cool with me i'm cool with it it's cool to see the wineries because you know a lot of people do a lot more than zin and it's a weekend for everybody so get out there get to your favorite winery i will say even if it is opolo and i imagine if anybody could take walk-ins it's opolo but um you do reservations or no reservations are really really recommended especially on a busy weekend like that Area. But that's better for the consumer because then they know when they're expected. They know they're not going to be waiting in line, and they know that there will be a table waiting for them and a hot pizza ready to go into the oven for them and mm-hmm. whatever else that they want to have um, to, to go along with their wines. Opolo.com. Opolo.com. Winemakers, uh, Chris Rougeau, uh, James Schreiner, a uh, gentleman, both awesome to see you. For the, I didn't know I was going to see you, Chris. I'm glad I got a chance to catch up with you, brother. It's been about a year. <sighs> I know, just, yeah. Isn't that weird? It's been about just one year <laughs> since I know, I've seen you. I know. James, thanks for hanging out, man. Thanks for setting this up with me. No problem. Thanks, I appreciate Adam. it, dude. And uh, Robert, always good to see you, man. Really always fun to catch pleasure. up. Always Sky, a you're a gem. Thank you for everything. The analogist, Sky with no microphone, but she's been hooking us up with all this great wine here. Let's cheers to Zinfandel to Paso and to Opolo! <laughs> Much thanks to the crew at Opolo, of course, Turley as well, and Jen Bravo for getting us hyped for this weekend. Vintage Paso Zinfandel weekend here in Paso Wine Country. Again, as always, make those reservations and hit up PasoWine.com before you do and see what your favorite winery is up to. Like I said, jam-packed episode today, huh? We delivered. Definitely make good on that. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance. Associate producer Jen Bravo, who you met today. 
Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, tune me in on your radio. Up and Adam in the morning, heard weekday morning, 6 to 10 on Coast 104.5. And the wine stuff you can check out on The Crush 92.5. Whether it's a Zinfandel this weekend, a white Rhone blend, a Super Paso blend, whatever it is in your glass, lift that glass up high, stay safe and be well. And let's cheers to what's next, to where wine takes you. And give me that passion, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify and work comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify and work comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.